you know, this morning we're going to start a new series and, you know, and so we're going to talk about comeback and what that, what we're going to be talking about and what that looks like. And how many of you know that in life and in situations, there are times where you just feel like you've been at the bottom or you might get a notice of your job that, you know, that, that they're not going to pay you anymore, but they'd like you to show up. And then, or maybe you had some kind of some kind of situation happen where you know you got a diagnosis. It, I'm just here to tell you, five years ago on December 29th, five years ago, I got diagnosed with cancer, and I'm standing up here today that I'm cancer free, and then that's God. Because can I tell you, and all glory goes to Him. Because let me tell you something: God's no respecter of persons. But I believe this: that you know, how many of you know that one day all of us are going to die? You know, I saw on a tombstone, it says, and it said this on the tomb, I knew this would happen. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that I think about is that, you know, God, you know, there are people there in my situation. There's people that God does not touch, and there's people that God does touch. And, you know, people go, Pastor, is, this, is your faith? Listen, it's not my faith. It's God. And can I tell you why God does things the way he does things? To bring glory to him. Amen? I was at my best friend's wedding, my best friend's his, not his wedding, his daughter's wedding last night. And Renee and I have one of the girls, uh, Maria Williams, my son knows. And she came up to me and uh, she just goes, Pastor Bubba, how are you doing? And I go, and those people just didn't know the news. And I said, I'm healed. And she goes, praise God. Because when I heard it, she goes, I just, not Pastor Bubba, not him. And I, well, who else, you know, who you want to throw it to? But you know, I'm just here standing up here, and I just want to say this. I've been a bearer of bad news. I've been, I've been to the bottom. I've been at times where I've blown it. How many of you ever blown it in your life? Okay, let me ask you. How many of you ever lied? Okay. How many of you never lied? Don't you raise your hand. I had a lady in first service. We're going, someone help her out. You know what? We've all blown it. We've all done things. We've all fallen short. And you, and you know, you, you, never, you know, never know when your situation is you're going to have a comeback. Because sometimes people just wipe you, ride you off and go, there's no way they're going to come back. There's no way that anything can ever happen in their life. But how many you know that God looks in heaven and go, you know what? I'm setting the course for the comeback. And so this morning, if you came here this morning and said, I want a fresh start. I need God to do something new, something real in my life. You're in the right place this morning. Can we pray this morning? Let's just pray right now. Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. It's not my words, God. It's by your Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. I pray that you would walk the aisles. You would touch hearts. You would people that, you'd get people that are in hopeless situations or situations where they feel like, There's no, I can never change. There's no hope for me. Lord, we come against every lie the enemy builds up in people's minds and their hearts. And we pray for your freedom and your hope to rise in hearts today in Jesus' name. And everybody believes that. Say, I believe. Okay, so this morning what I want to do is, you know, today I want to, I want, I want to, I just want to back up for a moment and where many of you, you know, many of you put your faith in Jesus years ago. I can remember the day I put my faith in Jesus, May 15th, 1980. And for some of you that age, I was 10. But anyway, you know, I'm, I'm, some of y'all don't get that. But anyway, I was a lot older. But, uh, but I can remember that moment when God touched me. And I remember just being in a place where I thought, can God really do something in my life? Have I gone too far? Have I done too much? You know, there's just no way God could help me or be with me or have a plan for my life. 
But, you know, on, May, on that May 15th, I began, God opened my eyes, and I began to realize God had a plan. God had a plan of forgiveness. God had a plan of hope. God had a plan for my life, even though I didn't see it. And you know what? Sometimes you can be at life, and I'm going to talk about that. You can be around in life and don't even see where you're going or why you're doing or, where, or the course you're going. How many of you know that you were just blind? And see, today, you and I share a common comeback, and that's when we came to know the Lord. And for some of you, maybe you don't know the Lord, and this morning you can meet the Lord. And if you would, turn with me to Matthew, I mean to Luke chapter 15, and Jesus shares a parable about three lost things. The first thing, that I just want to go ahead and just share, the first thing, it was a, it was a shepherd. And he had 100 sheep in the first story that Jesus tells in Luke 15. And he says, and, and what happens is one gets lost. So he leaves the 99 to go find the one. And then the second story is, is, is about a woman who had 10 coins. And one got lost. And she turned the house upside down just to find the one coin. Then there's the third story. And the third story is about a father who had two sons. I think this story might be one of the most misunderstood stories in all the Bible. Why do you say that, Pastor? We're going to get into it in just a minute. But most of us think it's about a son who wrecked his life with crazy living, you know, but, and he got a second chance with God. But I think it's way more than just that this morning. So what I want to do is I want to read you the story of the prodigal son. Okay, let's go to that real quick in Matthew, I mean, in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 24. And I'm going to read it this morning. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there was there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, say it me, to his senses... He said to himself, have anybody ever talked to themselves in here? You ever fuss at yourself? All right. So he's talking to himself. He's not any different than we are. And he's thinking this. At home, even the hired servants have, have, have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired hand. So he returned to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy being called your son. But his father said to him, to his servants, I mean, imagine the servants, they're just looking. And he goes, hey, I think he looks, hey, snap out of it. Go get my robe. Get my best, get my finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. It sounds like South Louisiana. It sounds like a boucherie. He said, well, his son, this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. 
So the party began. I knew that South Louisiana. And the crazy thing is, this is not just a story of a prodigal son, because both sons don't get it, don't get it right. This is a story really about a father. You have to go to the beginning to understand the story. Why did Jesus tell three stories of things that were lost? Go with me to the, verse, the first two verses in chapter, in chapter 15. And, and it's Jesus, here it is, and it's his tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Sound like a few of you and me. All right? How many of you know that you were notorious when you were doing your thing? Come on. How many of you were the life of the party? Y'all all look like liars right now. And so what happens is, he, this, this made the Pharisees and the teachers and the religious, law, religious leaders complain that he was associating with such sinful people. How dare Jesus? And even eating with them. See, as soon as Jesus heard the complaining, he shared the reason why he came with three stories. The reason he came, the, first, the, the lost thing in each story is not primary the thing in each story. The finder of losing, listen to me, the finder of the lost thing is what Jesus is trying to focus on. Who went and looked for the one sheep, the shepherd? You see, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down so you kind of, are y'all with me this morning? Okay. So what happened is, is the finder of the lost thing is what Jesus is trying to get us to focus on. And he's trying to get the religious people, because they're so blind in the religion, they really don't see what Jesus is really saying. So he gives a parable. Some of you are lost today, and you didn't mean to get lost. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Like the lamb. I mean, you know, the sheep, you ever, have you ever got lost? You ever thought, I, I mean, I've had kids one time. One time there was a little boy, we were doing one of the events here, and a little boy thought I was his daddy or something. And he came out and held my hand. And I'm like, oh, the kid likes me. And then I remember when he looked at me, he went, ah! And I had to bring him to the stage. And it, was, it was one of those kind of things, with the, ch- with the parents of Leroy, you know, come. I don't know who his name was. If your name's Leroy, I'm glad you're found. But anyway. I mean, and he was lost. But can I tell you, he didn't try to get lost. He was just lost. You know, I, I believe some of you are lost today, and you didn't mean to. And see, you were just—you weren't just sure. You, you're not—you're—you're you're just not sure how to make it back to God. You're just lost. That's why there's good news that Jesus is a finding God. Amen. That He left the ninety-nine. And then if, 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 if you've drifted away and you find yourself in a place where you never planned to be, can I tell you something? God will find you. Cause, not because he's mad at you. It's because he's a God of great grace. He's a God of mercy. The Bible says God's mercies are new every day. I need God's mercies every day. How about you? They're new. Every day. And then when you see right here, you know, and, and then there's a the story of the lost coin. The coin didn't try to get lost. Many people, uh, theologians say many times women, when they got married, they didn't have a ring. They would wear a band around their head and they would have coins. And many of the theologians said one of those coins fell off. And the lady went around the house looking for the coin. The coin just didn't get on her band and go, today I'm jumping ship. I'm leaving. I'm going to hide in the worst corner 
you can ever find. And you never notice, like, look, can I just say, as a man, I'll just admit this. I'm just going to humble myself this morning. There are times when I'm looking for something, and I am blind. I cannot find it. So I have to get a seer, and her name is Tracy, which is my wife. And my wife goes, no, it's in the closet. I go, baby, it's not in the closet. I've looked, baby, it's to the right side. She can tell me exactly. And I can, like, you know, I'm like, it's not there. I'm just telling you it's not. Baby, I know it's there. And she'll come, I'm like, I'm telling you, it's someone stole it. One of the boys took my shirt. I'm serious. You have five sons, they'll take your shirts when they live with you. And some come and visit sometime, and they'll still take things. Not sitting on my front row here. None of them. Of course. Anyway. And so, let me get back to the message. And she'll come out with it, and she goes, I was right. I go, where was it? It was right where I told you. Women, how many of you have blind husbands? All right, I just wanted to make that. Men, how many of you say, that's me, Pastor Bubba, sometimes? All right, I appreciate the humility in this house. But see, think about it. The coin didn't want to get lost. It just got lost. The lamb didn't want to get lost. It got lost. But see, in the story, in the story of the father and his sons, we tend to think the story is about the first son who ran off from his family and did dumb things. And then, and then turned into an addict and a criminal and found himself in a bad place. Then he finally came to God and got a second chance. So anyone that you meet in a similar situation, you go, you know what, like this. Man, I got a prodigal husband. I got a prodigal daughter. I got a prodigal son. I got a pro- How many of you know what I'm talking about? They're just a prodigal. But can I just tell you something? When I look at this, this is really my story. This is really your story, our story. You see, the son wasn't just lost and found. He was dead, and but he came back, and he became alive. See, he was dead to his father. What do you mean? When he asked for a share in that custom, you know, anything about the customs of the Middle East and some of the faiths, if you say this, give me my inheritance, that means they give it to you, and you're as good as dead to them. If you leave the Muslim faith, now listen, there's a difference between our God and the Muslim and the, the the God that Muslims serve. I see this thing all the time. People, it's the same God. It's not. I don't have enough time. That's another day, another time. All right? But it's not. But if you are a Muslim and you confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, you're as good as dead to your family. And sometimes they will kill you. I'm serious. I'm, you know, I don't have enough time, but I'm just telling you, that's what happens. And so what happens here in this story, what happens is that when, when he's asked for his share... What he's really saying to his dad, he goes, Dad, I hope you die soon. His relationship with his father ended at that moment, and the son was dead to him. Jesus was showing us that he brings people from death to life. How I many you know when they put Jesus in the tomb, they thought that was it? But there was a whole other side. It's called the resurrection. That means that one day that you and I need to die to ourselves and to our selfishness and our self-centeredness. And what happens when we die to ourselves and we ask Jesus into our lives, guess what begins to happen? New life, resurrection life, the life and the purpose we've always looked for. Amen? Someone ought to get excited about that. Y'all look at me like y'all. If you could get my view, 
All right, we're going to have fun here, all right? Anybody want to have a little fun? All right, we're going to have a little fun. Okay, not too much. I don't want you all to think, you know, but anyway. Both sons got, see, Jesus was showing us he brings people from death to life. Both sons got it wrong. Only the father got it right. See, I want to talk to you. There's a couple of common requirement components that I want you to see. The first thing is that the father, just like any of us, there was a desired hope. How many of you know when you get married, there's a hope and a vision that you have for your marriage? Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking? How many of you know when you get married, you think, I know her? How many of you know that sometimes you go, well, I know him? Can I give you a hint? If you're not married yet, can I just tell you something? You don't know them. <laughs> you just don't. Oh, they're perfect. <laughs> Let them leave the toilet seat up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and then she's got to go to, to the toilet. Ah! You'll get a lecture. I mean, you just don't know them. But the one thing when you get married, you make a commitment. It's called the covenant. That means you go, there's no one else but them for the rest of my life. And I'm not making a a covenant to them. I'm making a covenant and a promise to God. But see, here it is. When you get married, there's there's just a hope. When you have kids, how many of you know you just have a vision and a hope and a desire for your kids? They're going to do great. They're going to be awesome. They're just incredible. You don't think about they're going to leave messes behind. You don't think at 2 o'clock in the morning they're going to throw up on you. You don't think about all the different things they're going to. How many of you talking about? You see, you have hopes and you have dreams. And I'm sure the father's desire, hope was this. He trained his sons for the business. He said, guys, he, he probably got them when they were young. I'm going to teach you my ways. I'm going to give you a skill. And you know what? I'm going to set you up for business so you can be successful. I, you'll be able to, when I leave this earth, you'll be able to run the business and do what you want to do. And, and I just want to bless you. And I'm sure he had a hope and he had a vision. How many you know God had hope and a vision in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? They would walk with them in the cool of the day, every day, and they would enjoy each other. See, when you were born, God had a desire, and God had a dream for you. How many believe that? He had plans and hope for you. But you know what? As people, we have a way of just trashing that, don't we? We just do. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Laird Hamilton? Anybody know who Laird Hamilton is? He's the world's greatest athlete. He's 52 years old now. He's a world-class surfer. A guy followed him for a long time. He's 52. He's known as the guy that has ridden the biggest waves there are. You ever watch, like, X Games or some of those things? They'll bring those guys out in the, in the what do they call it? The, tell me out. The little, See, do things, you know, and they'll, they'll bring the surfboard out to the waves. He invented all that stuff. I mean, you look it up online. And they were interviewing him one day, and he goes, well, what do you think, you know, how did you learn? Which goes, hey, I know what my purpose is. My purpose, well, he goes, well, I'm here on this earth to ride the biggest waves there are. <laughs> well, good. God may send one big and drown you. And I thought about it. I thought, you know, the guy, it may be his purpose, but it was to bring glory to God. How many believe that? But sometimes we get mixed up. We don't see everything clearly. How many of you have ever just woken up in the middle of the night and you don't see stuff clear? You think you know where things are? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you think the door was closed and you're about to go and you meet the door. Bang! Whoa! 
And your wife goes, I didn't close the door last night. I can tell. See, I'm sure the father desired. See, we had, comeback stories happen because we derail from God's original plan for our life. We go our own way. How many of you know God loves you enough he lets you do what you want to do? Then we blame him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When things bad happen, when things go, back, go south, we blame God, don't we? Or we seek God. And listen, if things keep going bad, God's going to let things go bad because if that's the only time you seek him, he'll just let things keep going bad because you're seeking him. Thank you for all those amens. See, the second thing is, you say, see, the first thing is a desired hope. The second thing is a rebel heart. How many of you know inside of us, all of us got a little bit of rebel in us? Can I just make a confession? This younger son was deceived by sin. We have, those delus- we have delusional ideas. Can I just tell you, I'm one of those kind of guys, if they say, you need to go this way, when I was a little kid especially, you know, you need to go to the right. Well, I went to the left because I didn't want to go to the right. I just had a little rebel heart in me. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I was in trouble. Can I just make a confession? I was in, by the time I graduated, my wife and I figured out I was in 14 14, okay, I was in 14 or 15 different schools by the time I graduated high school. It wasn't because everybody liked me and wanted me to come to their school. It's because this school didn't want me back. We're going to pass him, but we don't want him back. I mean, I went, my, I went to private school, public school, Catholic school, public school, Episcopal school, back to Catholic school. And I got caught with drugs two weeks before I graduated, but they let me graduate. But I didn't graduate with the class because I was unclean and unholy and bad influence. Okay? I was a rebel. And see, God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. I was dead. I had no direction. I was a rebel. Every one of us need a comeback. See, because sometimes we think, oh, I've got to figure it out. I know what I'm doing. Don't you tell me what to do. Let's make a confession. How many of you got a little bit of rebel inside of you? Whew, we need revival in this church. <laughs> All of us do. All of us bend towards independence, don't we? From God. We think we can do it our way and try to earn our way. See, listen, when you have a rebel heart, let me just tell you what happened. You go on the run. You know what the run means? Is we think our plan is working. You know, our plan may work for two days. It may work for six months. It may work for a year. It's our plan. Everything seems to be going smooth. Everything's good. You got your good job. You got some money. You got fun and friends. Nothing's collapsing. All seems great, and it's going great. Yes. My middle name is P-R-T-Y, baby. The first son had a little run going because he had some money. There's some of you here. Look at me. You on the run. You think you got it going because it's just kind of smooth right now. No one sees. No one knows. You're on the run. But here, here's the next point. You know what you're going to do? You can be on the run, but the next part, you're going to hit the wall. 
It's called the wall. So what is that, Pastor Bob? You know what the wall is? It's the end of your run. It's just the end of your run. It's the place where you now become aware of what everyone's been trying to tell you for a long time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I pray you get a clue before you, you go eat with pigs and you come to your senses. Maybe life is well, money's good, and you have friends, but you're on empty on the inside. Some of you here need a comeback. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Not from drugs, not from alcohol, but from emptiness. Some of you are just empty. And you're thinking, this is a new year. I don't want to be on empty anymore. I need God in my life. I need a change. I need to make a difference. There needs to be a comeback. When I was a little kid, I was sensitive. When I used to hear God, when I used to go to church, when they used to sing that song. And I remember those moments. I remember Grandpa picking me up in the morning because my parents didn't want to go, but he took me to church. You go, it's time for my comeback. My plan isn't doing what I thought it would do on the inside. I thought I figured it out. It's not helping me. How many of you know our pride keeps us from admitting we need help? Almost until it's too late. Can I tell you something? I have a scar on my forehead right here because of pride. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? Well, when I was about 12 years old, I was going to clean my double-barrel shotgun. And I remember going in there and, you know... They were trying to tell me how to do it. And it has, like, you have a, for, you have a stock and a forearm stock. And there's a little thing right there. You pull it, and it'll, it'll, it'll just fall off. And you can take the barrel, and you crack the barrel, and it'll come off. Well, I, was, I didn't know that, but I thought I'd, I was acting like I knew what to do. How many, anybody know what you're talking about? you acting like you, and you make a fool of yourself? Hey, I'm fixing to show you how big a fool I was. And I remember just going, trying to pull it with all my, I go, what's this little gang? I found out what the little thing was for. And I remember it because I was stupid. I was a cool I didn't listen. So I have a scar right here because of that. You know, I'll just say this. How many of you think, aren't you, how many of you just say this, Pastor, I'm thankful for the gaslight in my car. <laughs> Can I just tell you something? I'm one of those kind of guys, thank God for gaslights. Because I'll just keep driving. I remember one time I drove to Lafayette, and I knew I needed to fill up before I left. And I went to Lafayette, and I came back. And I got halfway there, and I, it had to be the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I made it to rain or somewhere, and I go, Ugh! And I pulled in. When I pulled in the gas station, my, car, my truck died. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you, can I, just, can I just, some of you, you wait for the gas light to go on. Come on. And then it says, and you press the thing, it says 30 miles. You go, they got 90 in it. I mean, I'm like that. See my pants. I, I got 90. They lie. I, those, do, those guy things do lie. But when it tells the truth one time, you'll figure it out. But anyway, I always give you about 30 more. But, but you know, there's, there's some of you, and some of you, I really, don't, I really don't like you. Because you know what? You're the kind of people you schedule when you go get gas. I mean, you know, you have a schedule. Oh, or if it gets three-fourths, you can break out in highs. I'm going to fill it up. They might have a new gas shortage. I drive by the seat of my pants. Are you hearing me? 
My wife doesn't do that. I mean, she's like, it gets so forth, she's filling it up. I mean, it's just the way it is. But can I tell you something? That's how a lot of us are in life. How many of you try to push it so far, the furthest you can? How many of you I'm talking about? It's a reminder, if you don't fill up, you're going to get stranded. And some of you, because you haven't filled up in him, and you wonder why your life is stranded, you wonder why you're empty, you wonder why there's no purpose, that you're lost, you don't know where to go, because you haven't been filling up. Look, you can eat a steak. You can go to Roos Roos, Roos, Roos Chris Steakhouse. They can have it come in sizzling. And you can go, you can sit there with your knife and fork and go, yes, baby, we're going to slay it tonight. You can eat that sucker, and it tastes so good. And you're going, mmm. And your taste buds in your mouth begin to have revival. They go, ooh, so good. Got to get me some more. And then guess what? Three weeks now, you're dreaming about that steak. And, and you listen, how many of you know you can't live on what a memory was three weeks ago? You may die. Are you hearing me? That's why every day God's got a filet mignon for you. Well, Pastor Bubba, I don't feel it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you feel love every day from your mate? Every day you feel love. Okay. How many of you sometimes, even if, you, if it's going bad and you don't want to love them, you can't base it on feelings. It's based on a choice, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's just the way it is sometimes in life. And I've learned this. When I get up in God, in his presence, in his word, even when I don't feel like it and I don't feel the love, I know this, that sooner or later the enemy's going to come and I may blow it. And guess what he's going to whisper? How many of you know the, how many of you talk to yourself? How many of y'all hear voices in your head sometimes? We all need to be medicated, right? Anyway. We all hear those voices, especially when you blow it. How many of you have ever blown it and the devil comes to you? You no good for nothing. You are just worse. You're terrible. You'll never make it. You'll never. You did it again. You can never overcome this. You. You nasty thing, you. Mm-hmm. Your daddy said you couldn't do it. See, <laughs> And see, so we hear these voices and we think that's what. Have you ever realized once you finally acknowledge that you've hit the wall, everybody around you already knew what you were going through? What do you mean? You know, you admit to your, your parents, you go, you know, mom, dad, that girl, Melissa. Now, if you're Melissa, this doesn't apply to you. <laughs> that girl, Melissa, I was dating. She was crazy, dad. Mama, she was, in, she was, she, get, she was just whacked. And, you, you know, the parents, you go, oh, Really? Mm. Praise God, she was whack, baby. You know? Or you come back. Hello, I'm fixing to talk to the men here. You come back from the deer camp from a week, being with the men, and you realize my life doesn't measure up to being like them anymore. You come to your wife and you go, baby, those guys really aren't a good influence on me. I think I need to get some better influences in my life. And wives, this is what you need to do. Give them your lesson. You just need to go, really? <laughs> then you go to the kitchen. You go. <laughs> now, what were their names? <laughs> I 
A comeback can only come when you begin to admit you're empty. You're empty. What does that mean, Pastor? You must admit with your own lips and see it with your own eyes. The areas of your life that you just don't, they're just not working for you. You have to admit the run, that, that, that through it, that, that, that I went on the run, but I hit the wall, and now it's over. And here's the plan. Here it is. Number five is the plan. When we hit the wall, there is often a plan. When we hit the wall, we try to figure ways to fix it. How many of you ever try to fix things yourself? And it doesn't seem to work, does it? We got, we, we got ourselves into this predicament in the first place. That is how good our plans work, right? How many of you know you were, you were doing your best and you ended up with what you ended up with? And that was your best. Look at your neighbor go, been there. Don't buy the lie that you can plan your comeback. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? When you hit the wall, don't make a plan. This is what you just turn to Jesus and ask him. Ask him. Help me. I think about the thief on the cross. What was his last words? Remember? Remember me. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Today, you'll be in paradise with me. You know, those were the last words that the judge Samson had. We all know about Samson, the strong guy and everything. You know what his last words were? Because he had turned from God. He allowed his Delilah, like the enemy, who represented the enemy. He, he told her where her strength was. Because, see, he knew that he had outward strength, but he had no inner strength. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he gave in to the, to the, to the, to the lies of the enemy. And, see, God, you may look good on the outside, people. But on the inside, God's trying to work and give you his inner strength. The Bible says, you know what, that in me, I'm weak. But in him, I'm made strong. I used to give this example in high schools. It's like me, I can't play basketball. But if you could unzip Michael Jordan and I unzipped him and I stepped up into him, I could do a tomahawk slam. I could be, you know, but I'm not Michael Jordan. But if I got into Michael Jordan, there'd be incredible things that I could do. But see, here it is. When you get into Jesus, come on, when you give your life, and he steps up into your life, and all of a sudden he begins to act like Lord. He begins to try to instruct you and tell you what you need to do. And it's not about your opinion anymore because, you know what, you should realize your opinions don't really matter anymore because you got yourself stuck in the first place. So shut up and listen. Hello. Sometimes that's my biggest problem. Shutting up. I've been on trips and my wife goes, you've talked an hour. I'm like, I didn't even notice. She goes, I know. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. But see, I want to show you this video. And it's going to make the point of my last point. And it's from our church in Fort Worth that did this video. It's a true story. And I think it's going to get home with all of us. It did for me. So go ahead, guys.
just without crying every time I see it. Because, you know, the older I've gotten, the longer I've served the Lord, I realize that God has outrageous grace for us. He's not blind. It's not average grace. In this story, you have a son coming back who's embarrassed his family. And then you have a father running to him with open arms. And I forget the day that I gave my life to Jesus. And about a week before I gave my life to him, my dad came to my house, my apartment. And he found some drugs in my apartment 
I'm not getting into all the whole story. And he looked at me and he said, son, I can't tell you the whole story. Some of the adjectives he said either. He was kind of ticked off. So I'll, I'll clean it up. Is that all right? And he said, son, if everybody got on the corner of that roof right there and jumped off, does that mean you have to? I go, well, no, dad. And he looked at me and says, don't do what everybody else is doing. Be who God made you to be. And he left. And can I tell you something? That was the first time I had a revelation of God. Because all of a sudden, the person that I knew that loved me the most in the face of this earth, my daddy, because he would tell me he'd love me. He'd cry in front of me. He'd be exact. And he just said, and I never forget. The day that I, I, I gave my life to him, I got right with my mom because we weren't being like each other. But I always loved my daddy. I always respected him. I remember calling my dad. And he was so excited. Because I was a prodigal. But I had a good daddy. I don't have a problem with a father idea. I know some people have been hurt by their daddies. But God is the father you always dreamed of having. Are you hearing me? And I'll never forget, probably three weeks before he died, I went to the house, and he was there with his, his friend Denton Hendricks. And he goes, there's my boy. He's an ordained minister, and he preaches the gospel, and he loves Jesus. That's my boy. And one of the greatest memories. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It was God's outrageous grace. This is offered to you today because Jesus, he gave his perfect life for our imperfect life. You and me. How many of you know, you know, can I just say something? Some people, I found the perfect church. Well, you showed up, so we're not perfect anymore. Outrageous grace has to be received by you and me. What does that mean, Pastor? The story is about a father who's amazing, not his sons who blew it. Our common comeback is, is that we realize this. You know what? We're hopeless. We're helpless. And Jesus showed up and extended outrageous grace to you and extended outrageous grace to me. And, and, and you know what? The cool thing is from death to life, from unforgiven to forgiven, that once I was blind, but now I see. Amen? Are y'all with me this morning? Everyone, everybody has put their faith in Jesus as a miracle comeback story. People have written you off. You know there are people that want me to fail in this town? I guarantee you there's people wanting me to die of cancer. I'm serious. There's people that don't want Joel to get better. I mean, you go, what? Are you hearing me? But we're believing for a miracle, aren't we? We're believing for a comeback. Just, I mean, I've seen, the, how many of you seen those football games? Where they come back and they go, LSU. My wife goes, baby, it's the fourth quarter. They always come back. And I'm like breaking out in hives. I told you. got a comeback story for every one of us. 
How do you believe you can have a comeback? See, you can believe for your daughter. You can believe for your husband. You can believe for your son. You can believe they can have a comeback because we have a comeback from the grave to everlasting life. Jesus, they put him in the grave, but he came back. He rose from the grave. That means God gives it. The gospel is this, resurrection life. You were once dead, but now Jesus makes you alive. Can I tell you something? May 15th, 1980, I gave my life to Jesus. I became spiritually alive. Does that mean that I've been perfect and never blown it since? Listen, I experienced a comeback that day. Can I tell you something? I've been serving God for 35 years. Do the math. Okay? I've had thousands of comebacks because of the grace of God. How about you? Anybody perfect in here? How many of you have had some comebacks? Maybe you're here this morning. You came this morning because you go to a pastor. I need a comeback. I need a comeback in my marriage. I need a comeback in my relationship with God. I need a come. I'm believing for a comeback. Listen, the story wasn't told for the younger brother. It was told for the older brother. He was a law keeper. He was like a Pharisee. That's why Jesus told the stories. It's not about those things. God loved us enough. We were like the night. He's like, we're like the one lamb that he went and looked for. We're like the one coin. We're like the sun. Don't miss the gospel. The gospel, we all sinned and we all fall short. But thank God for his grace. Amen? I'm done, but I want to ask you a question. Let's just bow our heads. Close our eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you said, Pastor, my, my relationship with God is really not where it needs to be. And I came back this morning because I want a new beginning. I want a new start. And I know that the enemy's come to me and lied to me and said, I'll always be this way. I'll never have a fresh start. I'll never be able to overcome this. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. Would you pray for me? Because I'm believing for a comeback this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. No one looking around. No one looking around. Thank you, many, many people. Anyone else? I'm not going to beg you, I promise. Okay? You put it down. Anyone else? Thank you. Put it down. just want to give you a moment. The Bible says if you deny me before the Father, if you deny me before the Father, if you deny me before men, then I'll deny you before the Father. I just want to ask you this one more time. I mean, as a pastor, I know I need to come back. I need to get right with God. I need to be born again. I need to give my life 100% completely to God this year. That's me. Just raise your hand. Let's pray. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being real. God loves you. We pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you at the beginning of the service. And guess what? He loves you enough that he wooed you. He's wooing you back to himself. He's speaking to you. It's not the enemy would tell you, you know, don't do that. But that's where we fight pride. That's where we fight. Well, what if people? Who cares? Last time, any of you, anyone else said, Pastor, I'm not going to allow pride. I'm not going to allow my plan to get in the way. I need God this morning.